Welcome to episode 31 of the Paranormal Pulse podcast with Chris Bruno and Lance Phillip as your hosts. Tonight's episode is the conclusion of our interviews at the ParaUnity Expo in Patterson, New Jersey, May 31st, 2014. Today we talk to David Roundtree and David Giuliano. So without further delay, episode 31 of the Paranormal Pulse. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, fans of the Paranormal Pulse, I have with me today as a very special guest, David Roundtree. He is an author, investigator, um, with more years of experience than I can even mention or even think of. So I've been doing it for a day or two, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. And anybody who knows, I've talked about his book on the air. I love his book. It's one of my, what I consider one of the paranormal Bibles. So, oh, wow. Oh, you know, I, I've talked to you about that, too. So It's a humbling experience. There you go. It's, it's one of those books. Like, there are a lot of books on paranormal investigating and ghost hunting. But yours is the college-level book, you know? And if they've read the rest, I give them that one to graduate to. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because when I wrote the book, I, I didn't have that in mind, obviously, but I've had people who've read it have said, you know, you should teach a course and use this as the textbook. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't write it for that intent, but I can understand because of the way it's regimented mm. and the equipment layout and walking through the different equipment and how the book ends up, you know, going through experiments and different theories and that sort of thing, that it would be a natural progression to do that. Right. I just don't, you know, have the time to teach, so I do and... Maybe when I'm too old to do, I'll teach. There you um, go. You know. Now, Mel, what year did you start investigating? Well, I started really looking into it seriously back in 1976. I had gotten out of the Air Force, had a little bit of education under my belt, knew just enough to be dangerous. And um, I was trying to understand this whole thing called the paranormal because of an experience like we all have in our youth that blows our mind. Uh, when I was uh, seven years old, my grandfather came to me one night and uh, appeared in my bedroom and he said, I just came to say goodbye and I love you very much. And I noticed that he wasn't wearing his leg brace. He'd been paralyzed from a stroke. And uh, his arm wasn't all knurled up and atrophied and, and, and he was gone. And, and uh, the next morning I told my mother and she promptly informed me that my grandfather had died the night before. Uh, so at seven years old that made quite an impact on me and consequently that's what got me started, and I decided that the rest of my life I was going to learn everything I could to try to understand what this was. And thank God all those things made enough money to feed me and right. take care of my family over the years. There you go. Uh, because the paranormal certainly hasn't. Um, 
but the day jobs that went along with the the skills that that I picked up mm-hmm. certainly have been good to me. So. And I know from reading your book, you were talking about how in the early days you would carry equipment around in a trailer because it was so big. It wasn't like we have now. We can. We yeah. We did know. not have the miniaturization we have today. Um, back in those days, a typical recorder was a reel-to-reel recorder. It. Uh, I had a very good reel-to-reel recorder, a TAC A4010S. I knew you were going to say TAC. I knew it. You know, <laughs> and, and and it had you know great, uh, great, wonderful heads on it. It was a very good. Reel to reel, but it weighed about 60 pounds, and it wasn't portable. And uh, you also did not really have a mic input on it. You did, but it really didn't have very much control. So you had to use a mixer, and my mixer was this big four-channel Sony tube mixer. That was that was something out of you know uh, science fiction theater back in the 50s. And uh, the microphones we used were like these big block microphones like Elvis used to sing in in 1950s, you know, so uh, we did not have a lot of money, uh, which was very obvious, and we did not uh, have a lot of things to work with. Uh, There was no such thing as a handheld EMF meter in those Mm days. Uh, No laptops, no computers, no cell phones. How did life exist? (laughs) It makes you wonder, right? Now, the funny thing is, you know, for people who've never worked in a recording studio, I was lucky enough, too, people don't realize the sound quality you can get from a reel-to-reel tape. Oh, absolutely. And and even now, yeah, even now, um, so many people are still using reel-to-reel as opposed to digital to get that sound. So many people don't realize that there's such a beauty to it, you know? Well, that's true, too. You get that Um, warmth that you just don't get. Well, that's because we're coloring the sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing is, is that people just like the hearing. You know, they're used to hearing that warm sound behind their recordings. Right that they tend to, that carries over into their research. But that may be a fallacy because we're having, we're dealing with something that we want to sample at a much greater rate than seven and a half ips can mm-hmm. record on, you know, mechanical tape. Right. Um, so while purists still use analog recording, and I still play with it because I've captured recordings on tape without even having the tape on um, because the EVPs were directly imprinted on the magnetic tape right. itself. And, that, and that's something you've, uh, I know you've spoken about right. for years, that EVPs are really magnetic-based, and that basically most, uh, oh, basically paranormal activity is, is based on, um, you know, some, t- some type of magnetics, you know? Well, it's emerging, it's emerging energy. You mm-hmm. know, we're dealing with emerging electromagnetic fields. Uh, we're dealing with it not only creating changes in the environment, but creating changes in our consciousness. Right. You know, we're affected by those frequencies of EMF mm-hmm. just as much as the environment is, only differently because it's affecting our perception and our consciousness. And what we're starting to do now is actually study the human element. Uh, what's going through the, the researcher's brain when they're out there doing it? Are, they, are their brain waves reacting to the phenomena or are they a precursor to the phenomena? Mm-hmm. How much of it are we contributing to? Right. How much of it are we responding to? Mm-hmm. And I think these are very important questions that we need to ferret out because there is a human element involved. Uh, even in quantum mechanics, we have what's called the observer effect. Right, right. Where we have the human intervention. We have the wave-particle duality. Is it a wave, energy? Is it a particle, matter? Mm-hmm. Not until the human measures it. Not until there's a measurement that takes place does it become one or the other. Mm. Until that measurement is made, it's potentially either or. Right. It's like we are creating reality to a certain degree. 
and certainly at a quantum level we're creating reality. So how much of this are we creating? How much are we enhancing? How much are we just reacting to that's coming in from external sources? Mm. These are questions we need to know. Right. Now, I've heard people um, like Bill Chappell talk about how he's almost convinced that we're, we're actually projecting the EVPs outward. I'd like to see that evidence that he has. Well, that's, that's the thing. I, that's the thing. But he's saying, he's, you know, he's talking about it and obviously not showing it, but he's talking about how he's been researching that. And I'm curious to see it, too. I'd you know. like to see his research on that. Mm -hmm. uh, after researching specifically Radova voices, is what they used to be called, or EVP for over 30 years, I can tell you that they're emerging. Mm -hmm. And they're emerging into the environment from a non-local source, meaning they're not of our universe. Okay. They're coming from outside our universe and emerging into it. And they're using a very specific mechanic to do that. Um, and we do have the evidence to back up what we're saying. Mm. Um, using the, the data that we've collected over the years, it was like putting a big jigsaw puzzle together. We would find something out. Like, for example, when something paranormal would occur, we would notice that there was a drop in the barometric pressure in a very localized spot in a room. Um, well, that kind of defies meteorological theories. You know, how can a small spot in a room have a different air pressure than the rest of the room? Obviously, there's something occurring in that spot that's mm -hmm. an anomalous condition. Um, then we started noticing there was elevated levels of static energy associated with those areas. And then it, we started noticing uh, that there was gamma radiation emerging and mm -hmm. ultraviolet light bursts. And all these things started adding up. And we started realizing there's something emerging from these points in the room. Mm -hmm. Now, you look at physics and you look at science. And you say, what could the mechanic be that would allow information or energy to emerge into an environment uh, as a local phenomenon with a non-local source? And uh, the answer is easy in science. You just look at the theory of relativity and you come up with Einstein, Rosen, Bridge, uh, what Kip Thorne calls a wormhole. Right. Um, and amazingly, the more we started looking for wormholes, the more we started finding evidence of them. Um, a wormhole... Uh, we're about to offer valid proof that they are real and exist, which is a huge discovery in physics, mm -hmm. much less in the paranormal field. Right. Um, but one of the aspects of it is it could be the very well the grand theory of everything in physics. Uh, not in physics, in, in paranormal. Right. Uh, a residual haunt is not the rocks having memory and triggering by some mystical woo-woo event that occurs from the feathery realms to play it back for us. There's zero evidence to support any of these notions. What we're finding is that a wormhole theoretically can connect two places in space-time. That means two places in space or two places in time or both. What if we're looking through a wormhole at an actual historical event as it's occurring? We're seeing the past as it's happening right. from our perspective. So while doing that, they're not noticing us because they're living in that time. We're not. We're just observing it from outside of that time. Mm -hmm. So they don't even know we're there but we see them. Right. Now, Who's looking at us is my question. Good point. <laughs> my, I do have a question, though. You know, you, you, you brought something about the atmosphere changes. Uh, sure. For a while, big trend was everybody was using data loggers. So many teams have gotten away from it, and I'm wondering why. How do we, you know, how do we... I have no idea. We continue to add to it. Well, I know. It seems like yours, absolutely. You know, Spirit Web, you guys are doing so much scientifically and I look, look at so many other teams and I'm like 
wait, a few years ago, everybody I know was buying data loggers. Now, nobody. It's like nobody talks about them anymore, and I don't understand why, because it's not like, you know, we've done nothing but learn from them, and I don't, I just, I don't know if it's because people are doing more of what they see on TV as opposed to, you I, know. I think it has to do with, um, you can buy surgery tools, but I wouldn't want you to cut on me. Right. You know? People are buying these things, but they don't understand how to analyze the information they get from it. So they're looking at all this stuff, and because they don't understand the concepts of what they're measuring, it doesn't make sense to them. So they don't know if they've got something erroneous okay. or not, or they don't know if they have an anomalous condition or not, because they don't understand exactly what they're measuring. I mean, I encounter people all the time that do not know what an electromagnetic field is. They right. have no clue what it is. Which blows my mind. They don't even know that an elect electromagnetism is one of the four fundamental forces of the universe. Mm -hmm. They don't know that. What, I can't tell you how many times like, I've asked people, you know, what's, you know, what's an EMF field? And you'll get this, the same ridiculous answer. Well, it's what ghosts are made of. Is it? Because if you say that again, I'm going to smack you in the head is what I want to say. Yeah. How, you do, know? how do you know that? Have you actually analyzed a ghost? Right. I just, I laugh at that. And, you know, now, since you've written your book, is there anything in your book that you have gotten more information about that maybe you've changed your opinion on? Um, fleshed out more, mostly. Okay. Um, and a lot of, a lot of uh, proposed theories have fallen by the wayside, obviously, with, with the whole discovery of the wormhole. Which, by the way, the first experiment that led us to that discovery is dumped into the book unceremoniously in the EMF chapter. Mm -hmm. um, and it was all speculative as to what it was at the time. We right. have since narrowed it down. I mean, the book was published in, in 2010, so that was four years ago. Right. And uh, we've done a lot of research since then, and we've built a lot of very specialized equipment to do that research. But um, the thing is, is that there will be a sequel to the book. The problem is, is that in some areas of technology, there's been very little change. Right. Photography has changed little. Mm-hmm. Uh, videography has changed little. Um, so those chapters virtually have nothing new to add. And you know, you know what's really funny about that? I, I found an old radio show. I think it was from 1940-something. And what they were doing was actually ghost hunting on the radio show from the 40s. The idea, right. the, the idea behind the show was that a reporter was going to go spend a, nice, a night in a haunted, a haunted house. house. Right. And... What did they have in there? They had a, a, rec a you know recording machine and a, and a camera. And I'm thinking that's not much different than what we're doing now. So much is still the same. That's with basic elements, you know. Right. But right. yet there have been so many other advances. Now the big thing I will say that I, one of the reasons why I love your book is it saves people a lot of money if they realize yeah, what equipment you really shouldn't be buying. <laughs> right. You know? What what's what's out there is just creating random effects that mean nothing. Right. You know. Uh, what EMF meters don't bother with because they're not calibrated, and you know, and, and right. what are you really getting from them? Right. You know, so yeah. And the funny thing is, though, at the same time, it does point you into some more expensive equipment too. So, well, well, you get what you pay for, right? And and mm -hmm. that's when you ask yourself, is this a hobby, and I'm just out to have a good time, right. or do I really want to know what's going on? Mm -hmm. Because you know, it, it it boils down to. And on the other side of that, though, too, there's a lot of good apps out there for 99 cents, right? that you put into your iTouch or whatever, or your phone. And, uh, and there are good ones. There are a lot of crap ones out there. Right. Anything with the word ghost in it is crap, right. by the and, way. And the Let funny, me just go on record saying that. And the funny now. thing is, like, so many of them, you read the disclaimer, and they'll actually tell you this one does not have any, any scientific relevance or right. whatever. And there are others that, you know, won't have that claim. You know? That's and right. Just, For example, if you go in there and you want to get the gravitometer app, which will measure gravity along three axes, 
There's no disclaimer because it's actually measuring gravity right. along three axes. Well, that's what you want, yeah. you mm -hmm. know? And the fact that you can then take that, that data and email it to yourself when you get to any mm -hmm. kind of Wi-Fi connection or upload it directly from the device when you get back to your house, uh, that's data. That's hard data that you can't alter. An amaz amazing one is, and how accurate it is. I have a geophone app, you know. Absolutely. Sensitive vibration. I mean, and it is, I mean, it is sensitive, you know. Absolutely. I mean, think about how, how expensive geophones were to, you know, to build and buy. I've got four at the house. Right. And so. now in your phone, you can do it. And literally, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic app. And, you know. we, we use, we, we've got a seismographic application that we've got on our small devices. I mean, I, I bought a bunch of Apple iTouches, not to listen to music, but to run apps. Right. And we set these up. We put them in different places, and then we upload the data after. The, they're all time synchronized. Mm -hmm. They're all using the internal clock of the, of the thing. We make sure that they're all synchronized. So we've got an endless stream of data and each one is marked from its location where it comes through so we can track different types of changes in the environment and and what we're really doing is looking at the environment monitoring changes and looking at what else is occurring during those changes are there personal experiences happening are we getting evps is what's the content of the evps are they responsive evps or are they just evps you know you have to take all of that into account and put it into context and then once you start doing that, and this is why the data log is so important, now suddenly you've got 15 or 20 different data lines of changes in the environment to put into context in real time with people's personal experiences, people's recordings, and, other, and things that people witness. And now you can put it all into some type of context and, and sort of figure out and track in a building exactly what's going on and where. Mm -hmm. and how it's affecting other people. And even, even a basic app, like a level, how many times have people said, oh, you know, I'm, I get disoriented, and you go check their stairs, and it's off level, right. and, you know, it's just little things, and it's just such a simple app. And people, people forget, you know, just the, some of the little things in there can really help you on an investigation. There is, there, if you have a legitimate tool, mm -hmm. who knows what you will find with it? Right. Just because they don't use it on TV? Crap, they don't use half of what I have on TV don't even know how to pronounce it mm -hmm. so I mean you can't go by what's on TV it's entertainment right um, what's on TV is the same old stuff we've been seeing for the last 10 or 15 years that's why you're seeing people talk to flashlights now before they were talking to EMF meters mm -hmm. um, I want them to talk to a toaster next there you go. That's what I want to see. Have it pop. <laughs> yeah, I want my toast a little darker, please. If, if you're in there, can you make the toast pop? Right. You know. And, and there's a lot of foolishness that goes on because people watch it and it sells cornflakes. There you go. Um, the community wants to see real stuff, though. Mm -hmm. And uh, the producers aren't, they're, they're not getting that. They're, they're right. starting to get it because all these shows are falling by the wayside because no one watches them anymore. Um, I would say this fall there's probably going to be a lot of new offerings that are going to kick it up a notch. Right. On TV. You know, and you, you talk about that whole, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a catch-22 because the TV shows have brought a lot of attention to the field and have got some really brilliant people to join the field, but at the same time it's watered down the field with so many people investigating who aren't doing the right thing, you know. So it's, it's a kind That's of catch-22. And the thing is, one of the things it has done, that, at least in my opinion, not what your opinion on it is, it's made um, investigating, being able to talk about it publicly and not have a stigma to it. 
Oh, absolutely. You have to give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. What the TV shows have done is they've brought it into America's living rooms. Um, but that's brought problems, too, with people who own houses that just want to be on TV. Right. right. I mean, the first thing that when somebody calls you, uh, so is this going to be on TV? Right. And, and those are people you just dismiss right away, in my oh. opinion. Or they're rigging their house up right. to respond you know, to your menstruations when you come in. So uh, they're just trying to be on TV. The teams are just trying to be on TV. And I just finished working on a TV project, and why anyone would want to do it is beyond me. And now that's I've seen you. I've seen you post on Facebook that you've been working right. on the set. It had to are be you, the right project. Okay. Now are you are you able to talk about it yet, or I can't give any real details about it other than I can tell you that uh, the people that are in it are going to be. I, I think everybody's going to go, huh? When they see the people in it, when they see the executive producer, they're going to go, huh? And then I think when they see what we're doing, they're going to go, whoa. Uh, because we're doing a lot of stuff that, that has been done before, but we're doing it differently. Okay. And we also have a segment where we're doing legitimate scientific research on camera, performing an experiment, and then seeing if the experiment works. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I was in the first two of three episodes, and I had a segment where I did an experiment in both. And I think... People are going to see those segments, and I think they're going to be blown away. Excellent. And so, what's, the, what's our timeline to seeing us hit the screen? It's supposed to premiere in October. Excellent. Well, of course, the perfect time of year for it. Well, we're thinking the week before Halloween right. is probably when they're going to do it. But it's still, you know, we're still in the developmental stages of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're sure. shooting episodes, but, you know, the, the network is wanting to review the first few episodes, mm -hmm. tweak it if it needs to be tweaked. Right. I'm hoping they tweak it so a little more me is involved in it. But, there you uh, go. Uh, we'll see about that. But I'm working with two people that um, really love as people. They're great people, both of them. One of them is totally well-known in the paranormal field as being totally filled with, with scruples. I mean, there, he's not going to – there's never going to be a question of this guy faking anything. Right. Um, and, of course, me, who would never fake anything. And the other person is a very well-known uh, person as well, Excellent. although not necessarily in this field, although he's had some dabblings in it. Right. Um, and it's about a personal journey that they're both going through personally. Excellent. So there's an underlying, you know, there's underlying stories going with it, the, 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 the personal experiences, the, uh, all of that stuff is part of the direction that it's going. And I think it's going to be an interesting show because it's going to show how these two individuals develop based on their experiences together and searching for these answers both to what's really going on out there and what's going on inside of them. So it's it's going to appeal to a lot of different people. Right. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. So now how can people just let people know how they can follow you so they can catch the show and get your book and Well, I mean, I'm on Facebook. God, everybody knows well, that. that. Yep. Google me. I have a website mm. www.spinvestigations.org. Um, we don't have anything in there other than an event camera, a event calendar that might tell you where I'm appearing somewhere. Uh, but a lot of the research is put in there. Uh, following me on Facebook probably is the best thing to do to find out what I'm up to, and it's usually no good. So there you go. I appreciate stirring, you stopping by. Yeah, if I'm not stirring trouble, I'm sleeping. Absolutely. So. Oh, 
<laughs> well, thanks for having me. You know, it was a pleasure. Thank uh, you very much. Good luck with you guys uh, in the future. And uh, I hope they do this event again because New Jersey certainly needs a reoccurring paranormal event. Absolutely. It's such a, it's such a unique location, too. Thank thanks you, sir. for having me. You got it. I appreciate it. All right. We've come to the time of the show when hosts need to refill their coffee mugs. So please listen to the following messages. And we assure you, the paranormal also will be right back. Take a deep breath and relax as we check your paranormal pulse. Are you a god? Hello, kitties. This is Alice Cooper. Hi, welcome. This is Billy Idol. Hey, this is Meat Law. Hey, this is Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. I am Vince. Vince Clortho, key master of Gozer. Vulcan still draw our Lord of the Sebulia. Are you the gatekeeper? Hey, this is Grant Wilson of Those Thunders, and you're listening to the Paranormal Pulse. This is the Paranormal Pulse. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Dave Giuliano. Dave Giuliano is an investigator with years of experience, 28 years of teaching ghost hunting. He is the owner of the Ghost Hunters store. He is an author with several books to his credit. He is a demonologist, correct? Uh, I prefer negative haunting investigator. Okay, we'll go there. He has many TV credits to uh, TV credits at this point. Um, what else have you done? You've pretty much done it all. You're the, you're the founder of, right, I should say, the director of South South Jersey Research, Research. Right. Um, the Shadowlands, the first paranormal website on mm-hmm. the internet. Um, back to that demonology. Anyone that calls them a demonolo- themselves a demonologist, probably not. <laughs> right. Well, and that, the whole thing is, you know, that's one of the questions I had for you. Just the amount of people who have showed up in like the last three or four years, all of a sudden, where I never heard anybody call themselves a demonologist. Now everybody's calling themselves a demonologist, right. and everything's a demon. And it's like we'll, we'll put like qu- in quotations, like when we talk about, like you know, if like me and John are talking about something, John's mm-hmm. Avis. I mean, it's like between us, we may mention more demonology, mm-hmm. but it's like. Look at our business cards. It's uh, it, we don't have that on our business cards. I right. mean, other people may label us that, mm-hmm. but it's like not something you call yourself, you know. Right, and you know the funny thing is there, you know, and, and let's face it, there are online websites that will give you a card that say you're anything. Right. You know where where you guys have put in the time, you've learned, you've had the expertise. Where other people are just they're getting that card from some you know uh, degree mill basically online. Right. They're paying the thirty five dollars. So you know. With that sort of thing, you just don't know who to trust out there, you know. And that's why I turned to, to you know, your, your store and your, your folks, because I know you guys have the experience, you know. Like I said, I was talking to you before off the air, and I talked about how, you know, we had a case, and, and I turned to Marty at your store, and, mm-hmm. and she was a great help, you know. Uh, and for people that know, you need to go to the Ghost Hunter store, whether you go online or go down in person. Go down in person is great because you can get to touch and feel stuff and see what everything looks like. Um, go to their website. They are the authority, as far as I'm concerned, as far as gear and, you know, and just being able to help you because they're real ghost hunters. They're not just an online, you know. That's kind of why we opened the physical store because mm. uh, it got to the point where, um, I mean, people will buy stuff online, but I'm the same way. I want to I see it and touch it. I want to know how it works. I mean, we've had, mm. we had a, a guy drive down from Canada one time to buy a DVR system, and we spent three hours setting it up for him in the store. Showing him how it worked. So when he got home, he knew exactly what he was doing. And it's like, you can't do that online. Right. And you can't do it in most other places that you're going to go get the stuff from. Exactly. It's like, we want you to know how to use it right. Right. You know? And plus, you know, try returning something to someone on eBay, you know, or getting some exactly. expertise on how to use something on eBay. Yeah, you can find stuff, but, 
you'll never get that personal touch, that, that helping hand when you need it. And that's, that's the difference, you know, and I, I, for myself, I appreciate stuff like that. That's good to hear. You know, I, we, even, we even give, like, tech support on stuff that we didn't sell. Right. Because uh, I still want people to use it right, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so now, how do you get started in this all these years ago? And I saw a ghost when I was three years old. Okay. And um, I got told to shut up and go back to sleep. And no one in the house really believed me until I was about 17. But um, it was a mixture of, like, human spirits. And for a period, there was some uh, negative stuff going on. But at the time, I was terrified of all of it because my reference point was um, what the horror movies I watched on Saturday afternoons. I mean, you had no books, really, to read. You had no one to contact. Everything was more negative. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, as I got older, there was more and more hands holsters books were probably, like, priceless to me. Right. And it was the first one, really, that you could read and understand that this stuff wasn't necessarily bad and kind of gave you, like, an indication of uh, what it could be. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I guess, with the dawning of the Internet, I, that really made a, you know, a big change because you could reach out to people from all over the world and find out you're not the only one that was experiencing this stuff. Right. And that's kind of when I got into, like, the helping people part. Because mm. I figured I survived what I went through, so why should someone else have to go through it, you know, as right. long as I did, mm -hmm. if there's a way to, to understand it quicker. Right. And, you, you know, and to me, you are one of the pioneers in the field. I, t I was talking to you before, and I told you, like, you're, you're, even though we had never met until today, you have been, like, one of my mentors because I've read your books and I've gone to the website and and you taught me more just that way than you could you know than you could ever imagine and my whole thing was this um, I researched for about a year before ever did an investigation I read every book I can get my hands on and the funny thing is we started back in 2007 and there weren't that many books around right now there seems to be a book coming out every other week and the problem is most of these books aren't breaking the ground they're just copying what someone else wrote previously yes um, I still read all the books coming out because mm -hmm. occasionally there's even if it's one thing you can pull from that book and right. the rest of it is maybe something you already knew or you might not even buy into mm -hmm. if you get one little thing out of it that's one more thing you didn't have before you're absolutely right and you know it's the same thing because I do a lot of book reviews on the podcast and, and the same thing you will find stuff that is new in a lot of books occasionally some you don't but on most of them you will find one or two things you didn't know and, and as we all know there's no experts, and you continue to learn all the time, you know. So now, now obviously, like you said, you've worked with John Zaffis, and I know, you know, from seeing the website, you've worked with a lot of other famous people in the field, whether they be on TV, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, now, obviously, you've seen the ghost hunting TV shows. Right. Now, I, I don't know how you see it, but I view it as it's really helped to expand the field, and helped with developing, because the field has expanded, it's really developed the technology where we can buy stuff now specifically targeted towards this field. Oh, it's definitely mm -hmm. had a lot of positives. People don't, people like to focus on the negatives. Right. But I mean, before, um, before Ghost Hunters came out, people didn't realize there was normal, regular, everyday people doing this to help people. Right. So, I mean, that opened it up, and it also made it mainstream. And, and that was the thing with me. I, you know, my parents were into the paranormal, but... They didn't talk about it publicly, but my mother had grabbed every, you know, um, poltergeist, you know, the, the book and the movie and, you know, everything else. At that time, she was reading everything she could get her hands on. And they were into it even from when I was a kid. But the big thing to me was that it wasn't spoken about. Now it's spoken about. Right. You know, and you've, seen, you've been there right all along. So, I mean, what, what's the biggest things you've seen grow? I, I think the fact that... Um 
maybe even like just 10 years ago, you might not even told your closest friend or your neighbor you had experience. Mm -hmm. Now it's like that's the first thing you go out and do. Right. I mean, you tell everybody, and you're no one's shy anymore. Right. And uh, getting cases, like especially like historical cases, mm -hmm. they're more interested in talking to you. Um, overall, it's it's come out of the shadows. I mean, it's still what people consider like a pseudoscience. Right. But course. we're we're moving a lot closer. Like you said, more mm -hmm. equipment built specifically just for us. Right. Um, more pioneers, you know, developing more newer and newer technology every every month. There's something new coming out. Mm -hmm. um, back, you know, a long time, you know, when I started, a tape recorder, 35 millimeter camera, and you were you were good to go, and that was all you could hope for. Right. You know, right. It was, anything else was like fantasy that you were ever going to get anything else. And it's funny, you know, I've spoken to David Roundtree, and he tells me about stories of pulling large equipment in a trailer because you know, where now we can fit everything in a little side pouch basically exactly it's amazing it really you know and even even you know as long as i've been which is not anywhere near as far as you i've seen such a development you know and to me a store like yours is great you know now obviously you've, you've worked on a lot of tv shows and you've been a consultant on a bunch as well mm -hmm. now what would you say you know obviously we know we just talk about the effect tv but what would you say your best experience as far as tv went I think probably one of my first, um, it was back, back in 2000, um, we did a, back when MSNBC had a show called MSNBC Investigates, mm -hmm. where they literally followed us around um, for a week, but not only just ghost hunting. They followed like a training session I had with trainees, they followed us on an investigation, but they also like followed us, like we went out to dinner with them, they, they went to our houses and did interviews. I mean, they really got the full view of not just watching the investigation. You got like the whole view of what it, we were about. Right. And I think that, that you don't see too much because I mean, I don't see how you do 10 seasons of that anyway. Right. Uh, or because it wasn't sensational. But to me, that was a more interesting thing. And it was fun for us because we knew they, were, they weren't just, you know, just scratching the surface. They really right. got in depth. Well, and see, I always thought that would make an interesting um, show. Not just showing people investigating, but showing their lives behind the scene. Because let's face it, most people are still working day jobs. They're right. not, you know, not getting famous. I would love to see them follow a team. Somebody going to their day job, trying to figure out, and you know when you're first starting, how hard it is just to get cases. Yep. And how it is to get into locations and the struggles you have with that. And I think, you know, and then, you know, in many cases, just trying to raise the money to go to some of the bigger places and whatnot. I think it would be fascinating to see a different, and not maybe not a series, but like a, like a documentary that shows, you know, two hours, just sums it up, you know, leading to a big case or something like that. I think that would be an interesting take on it. Too. Yeah, they haven't, I haven't seen anything like that since that one right. special. And it was, it was us and two other groups they did. Right. So it was like a nice, and the other groups took different perspectives on different things. Um, one was like a Wiccan group completely. That's all, you know, so you saw from their point of view of how they approach things. Mm -hmm. um, another one was like just purely scientific. Um, we approach things from like with science and psychics. So you, they really had a good cross-section too, but you got to see like the personality side of it too. And I always thought that would be, you know, that'd be something I would watch. Right. But I think maybe it might be only isolated to the paranormal community. Right. I don't know, the general public mm -hmm. would watch that. But. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because we've seen, let's face it, at this point they're making everything a reality series. True. You know, who would have thought that people opening up storage lockers would be a great show, <laughs> exactly. you know? I mean, you know. So you never know. I mean, it, you never know what's going to work out there. And it's pretty amazing, though. I mean, for me, I, I watch. And what I have found, though, and I'm, I'm sure you're seeing this, that there are 
this upcoming season, there haven't been as many new shows launched as far as the paranormal. They seem to be scaling back. A lot of networks are scaling back. I mean, we were under contract. I've been under contract twice to do a show out of the store. Mm -hmm. Um, Both times the contracts expired. We were actually listed on Sci-Fi two years ago as uh, shows in the pipeline. Right. So it was actually put out there to the like uh, variety, mm-hmm. you know, so it was something they were definitely working on. Uh, I, we filmed sizzle, what they call sizzle reels yep. that they put out to the network. So we've gone through all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, they're looking for, um, I think they're looking for the sensational. Right. Instead of going back to what worked originally. Mm-hmm. And the more and more they, they, the more and more they go more and more sensational, they're losing the audience. Right. And I think, the networks realize that they lose the audience, they'll just try to switch to a different genre. So that's what's happening right now. I don't think the paranormal's going anywhere. Right. I think it'll pick back up again. I know there's new shows already coming out this fall, but it's mm-hmm. it's they got to change the formula a little bit. Yeah. And I also think too, what's going to happen is that as they become less and less paranormal on TV, I think a lot of the fringe groups will disappear. The ones who are only there to get famous, you know. And you know, one of the things um, I was listening to Patrick Burns talk. Um, when we were in Lake George recently, and he was talking about how as much as the field has grown, it's also made it harder to get into locations now because there have been so many teams doing the wrong thing that it's put such a bad taste in a lot of locations' mouths. Yes. Are you finding that as well? Definitely. Um, even some of the TV shows mm-hmm. have caused problems in some locations. And have also, you know, the locations realize now that they're, they can make some money and some tend to be more on the greedy side. Right. So they put it out of the reach of the average person, you know, mm-hmm. going out there. But, um, yeah, you have the groups, again, they, they don't realize it's reality. They go out, they don't really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to create, like, a real nice Facebook page or a nice web page where you look professional. Mm-hmm. So the people say, yeah, and then when they, you, you get out there and they realize these people are Yahoos, they assume that we all are. Right. And that, you know, then, like I said, we're all labeled that way. And mm-hmm. it takes some a lot of... You know, effort to change their minds. Yep. And I've noticed one thing, I'm sure you have too, doing these conferences. There are more black shirts at a paranormal conference. <laughs> it's like going to a death metal show, you know? Exactly. That's what it's become like. <laughs> and I'm just as guilty, so. <laughs> yeah, so. You don't see too many with other colors. I, I don't, I can't explain it. You know, we've tried other, we actually tried like um, gray shirts. Right. And just, and it just, more, it seemed like black was the natural yeah. color for ghost hunting. So, and it's like us. We, we printed up some shirts, and we had, you know, we had black. We do have a couple of gray, but I don't know how well they're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you stopping by. No very problem. much. Like I said, you've been a you've been a mentor without knowing it. Oh, so. thank you very much. I appreciate it. Don't touch that dial. Stay right here because we'll be back with more of the paranormal pulse after these messages. Find the Paranormal Pulse Podcast on Facebook at the Paranormal Pulse Podcast. Listen to the Paranormal Pulse Podcast on Roku, Stitcher, Facebook, Blueberry, iTunes, Podbean. It's that simple. Resistance is futile. Now back to the Paranormal Pulse. Things that go rock in the night. 
Sabbath. Sabbath. Mob rules. to the Paranormal Pulse podcast on Roku, Stitcher, Facebook, Blueberry, iTunes, Podbean. It's that simple.